we can do valiantly. And so, Lord, we look forward to how you will challenge each of our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the teachings of the Word of God, that doctrine is important. It was the first thing that was mentioned. What we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus Christ, what we believe is very, very important, and it must line up with the Word of God. We've looked at that already. We, they continued in the doctrine, in fellowship. We've looked at that, the fellowship that, first of all, we have with God, and then the fellowship that we are to have with others. Last week, we looked at the fourth principle. The, they continued in prayer and how important it is that we be a praying people, that we be known as, uh, again, prayer is fellowship with God. We, we desire fellowship with Him because there's not a friend like, like Jesus Christ. And we ought to desire His fellowship. It's not just going to a vending machine and punching a button and say, this is what I want, God. It's not getting God on our agenda. It's fellowship. But the third thing that was mentioned in this verse that we want to look at today, they were continually devoting themselves to the breaking of bread, which refers to the Lord's Supper, to communion. I, I have to confess to you right from the start, as a, a child and growing up, I was in churches that often celebrated the Lord's Supper, and on, in some of them, it was the first Sunday of every month. And I can remember as a kid coming in, usually it was on a Sunday night, coming in and seeing communion set up there. I think, man, has another month already gone by? I did not enjoy those services, I'm confessing to you. I I didn't at all. And um and yet as I continue to grow and learn um I thank God for the working of his spirit in my life. But honestly, if I were to pick four characteristics of a church, I would not put down I would not have put down the breaking of bread. But God put down doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. So, I'm wrong, God's right. Can you all say that? Amen. I was waiting. Okay, say it together. Ready? I'm wrong, God's right. I was curious to see how many of you would say, Pastor's wrong, God's right. But... Either way you said it, if you, did any of you, did, you wouldn't, how many of you sat next to someone that said, pastor's wrong and God's right? All right. Good, good. Pastor is wrong and God is right. No matter what you said, it'd be right. And you know, this wasn't intended, but we need to get in the habit of honestly saying, God, I'm wrong, you're right. Even if you don't understand it. But if this is what you say, God, I'm wrong. 
you're right. And as I said, I wouldn't have put down that one of the four things would be the breaking of bread. But I'm coming around to that, okay? And, and I'm beginning to understand even more fully how important this is. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we find the most um, extensive description of the Lord's Supper. You remember the same night in which Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Then he took the cup and, and he drank it and said, this is representative of my blood, which was shed for you. And in writing to the church at Corinth, Paul gave them some specific instructions regarding this. And he quotes what Jesus said, take eat. In verse um, 24, take eat. This is my body which was broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Till he come. Throughout history, this has been a very, very important ordinance that God has established for some key, key reasons. Now, there have been much of misunderstandings over um, the Lord's Supper, and we're not going to go into great detail with this, but Um, There have been many, many hundreds who have been martyred over the Lord's Supper. From 1555 to 1558, under the reign of Queen Mary or Bloody Mary, hundreds were burned at the stake because they did not believe that the bread became the actual body of Jesus Christ. And they were correct in their understanding. The body, the bread, does not become the actual body of Christ. If it did, we'd be crucifying Christ over and over and over again. It is symbolic of the body of Christ. And we're not going to go into that in detail here this morning. But they said, no, we do not believe that, and they went to their death with that. But throughout history, it has been a very, very important um, memorial that Jesus Christ established and is very, very important to us today for a number of reasons. Number one, he said, this do in remembrance of me. So it deals with the past. And we're remembering Jesus. It is um, remembering his, his life, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. It's remembering his crucifixion. 
It's remembering when it says, this is my body which was broken for you. It is remembering the suffering that he endured physically. It's remembering the rejection that he bore bearing our sin. It's remembering the agony that he endured. It's remembering and and at various times um, in remembrance, um, highlighting various aspects of this. It is remembering that he rose victorious from the dead. It is remembering that he conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered Satan. He conquered hell. It's remembering that, that he is the victor. It is proclaiming. You notice it said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he come. It's proclaiming. The good news, it's proclaiming the gospel. Jesus Christ came to save sinners, and that's what we're proclaiming. It's a, it's a celebration. I think it was a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I get a text from my oldest son, Isaac, and he sent it to all the kids And to me, and it says, 15 years ago today, the Kansas City Wizards won the MLS Cup. And to most of you, that doesn't mean anything. But to them, that meant something huge. Because it immediately brought back to them. 15 years ago to that day, a few days before, Isaac and Kara took cuts out of college classes in northern Wisconsin and flew down to Chicago and caught a plane and flew to Washington, D.C. And 15 years ago, 12-year-old Andrew and 16-year-old Caleb drove down to Kansas City and caught a plane and flew to Washington, D.C. because... Our team, the Kansas City Wizards, were playing for the national championship. And they were there. They were in the hotel with the players. They went to the game, and they saw them battle, 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 and they won the game, and they have memories etched in their mind by going back. My only regret is that I didn't go with them, all right? So when they got that text, what did it do? He remembers kissing the MLS Cup trophy. I don't know if he did. Did you? Had his hand on it. They remember their, their picture on the front page of the Kansas City Star with the crowd there. And they remember all these memories. So when Isaac sent that text out, all those memories came back. And those were good memories. They were celebration. Yes, I remember when the final whistle, yes, yes, yes. The Lord's Supper is a celebration. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered Satan. It's a celebration of the life of Jesus Christ. 
And, and it's going back and remembering, and it's, it's way more than just getting a text and reminding you of some happy memories in the past. Because there is no downside to this. I mean, the next year our team didn't win it, and this year they're already out of the playoffs. And, and you know, but Jesus Christ is the same. And he said, I don't want you to forget. Every one of you can remember, every one of you that were old enough to remember, can remember where you were on 9-11-2001. And from that, people said, we will not forget. So we have memorials built. The Lord's Supper is a memorial that is calling us back, not a memorial of loss, but it's a memorial of celebration. It's a memorial of, yes, I cannot forget Jesus. I cannot forget what he's done. I am celebrating his death and knowing that in three days it held him, but he rose again victorious. He conquered it. To the Jews, they look back and they remember the Passover when God miraculously set them free from the bondage of Egypt. But this is the Passover here. This is where we have been set free from the bondage of sin. And this is a memorial to absolutely the most defining moment in all of history. There is no other moment in history that is as defining as this moment of his death and his resurrection. And this is calling us and saying, never, never, never forget this history-changing moment that death held him for three days and he willingly laid down his life and then he rose victorious for us. So it is. It's remembering the past. It's remembering Jesus Christ. But it deals with the present. He said, this do as oft as you do it in remembrance of me. And it, it is not only looking back and remembering Jesus, but it is now in the present rejoicing in Christ's provision because of his blood He bought our forgiveness. It is with his blood that he bought our delight in the law of God. It is with his blood that he bought our personal relationship with God so that we can personally commune with God. And he says, I want you to remember what you have now. When when we drink the cup of the new covenant, we are savoring What we have in Christ, God is our God, and we are his people. We sang the song, I am now complete in thee, no work of mine, that you may take, dear Lord, the place of thine. Your blood hath pardon bought for me, and I am now complete in thee. Complete in thee. The Lord's Supper is 
a reminder to us of all the blessings. Notice that we didn't read, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and notice if you'd look in, I can't find it now, chapter 10. No wonder I'm in the wrong chapter. Chapter 10 and verse 16. Well, verse 14 says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Notice he calls it the cup of blessing. It is feeding our souls on all that God has for us in Christ. It is nourishing our heart and bringing ourselves back and reminding us of what we are in Christ. Someone has put together a list, and let me just read some of these. These are all taken directly from Scripture. But what I am in Christ, I'm a child, I'm God's child, I have been justified, I belong to God, I am a citizen of heaven. I have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am holy and blameless. I am adopted as his child. I am forgiven. I have purpose. I have hope. I am sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I am a saint. See, you're, you're St. Kiefer. I'm St. Lawrence, St. Kiefer, St. Zern. See, there you have it. You're, we're all saints in Christ. I'm not saying you need to start signing your documents that way. But at any rate, I am God's co-worker. I have been shown the incomparable riches of God's grace. I am God's workmanship. Does, Does any of this excite you? This is what we are in Christ. This is the problem. None of it, it just went over my head as a little kid and as a not so little kid and as a young man. I didn't think about what I was in Christ. Oh, communion tonight? That is boring. Boring. This is the most... And and maybe it's because of how we view it, how we think of it, how we see it. What we are in Christ, who Christ is. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the creator, the deliverer. He's my everlasting father. He's the governor of nations and a mighty God. He's holy, invincible. He's the judge of men. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the mighty, never-changing God. He's omnipotent. He's the prince of peace. He's the quickener. He's the redeemer. He's my Savior and teacher, and He's the unchanging victor. He's wonderful. He's Christos. He's Yahweh. He's a zealous God. And what we're remembering, this is God's gift to me. This is God's gift. See, as much as the game, it was for them remembering, going back, they, were, they remembered, yeah, man, we about missed the plane here, and we didn't know if we'd get it here, and, and how are we going to match up with Isaac and Kara? How are we going to meet in Washington, D.C.? We've never been there before. And some of you are thinking, Pastor, you were really stupid to do that. <laughs> That's all right. You're right. I'm wrong. But you know what? 
much more than that is what we have in Christ. And, and in understanding and realizing this, rejoicing, we are celebrating together. How many of you have, have ever been to some sort of event, sporting event, let's say, and, and you're in this section and you're cheering for a te- your team and let's just say it's a football game and your team scores a touchdown and, and you jump up and you turn around and you start high-fiving people that you don't even know who they are. How many of you have ever done that? See, there's a few of us fanatics here, right? Why do you do that? People that you don't even know. You don't even know what their hands have been doing, you know. But you're high-fiving them. Why? Because we are on the same team. We are and the same goal. And our team just plowed them down and scored, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you need to get a life, honest. You have never rejoiced in anything. I'm not saying you need to do this, but you know what? When we gather tonight, we all have the same purpose and we all have the same goal. And it's way more than a touchdown and it's way more than a national championship. And we're, we're going to high-five tonight. It's a celebration. It's, it's rejoicing. This is what we have in Christ now. Any touchdown can be taken away. Any championship fades in the background. But this is what we have in Christ. We're, we're cheering for the same team. And we're one in Christ, the greatest team of all. So it's dealing with the past. Remembering what Jesus has done. It's realizing, and, and we're just scratching the surface. As we, as we sang that song today, I just thought of, of this second point, what we are in Christ, rejoicing in the present provisions. Complete in thee, no more shall sin. Thy grace hath conquered, reign within. Think of that. No more does sin have to reign within me. Thy voice shall bid the tempter flee. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I shall stand complete in thee. Yes, justified. I'm a vile, wretched sinner, but in Christ, I am just as if I'd never sinned. And sanctified, he is in the process, and he already has sanctified me, and he's brought me salvation. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me, and someday glorified, I too shall be. And that's what it's reminding us, what we have in Christ. It's celebrating who we are in Christ, that he is my Savior, he is my friend, He is my helper. He is my shepherd. He is my strength. He is my wisdom that I have access to God, that I'll never be alone. That he'll never leave me nor forsake me. That nothing can separate me from the love of God. So it's 
Past, remembering what Jesus has done. Present, understanding what we are and what we have now in Christ. And then, this do as oft as you do it in remembrance of me. And you are showing forth the Lord's death until he come. Future. It's looking to the future. Resting in the promises of God. Whenever we participate in the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of Jesus' promise. There will be a great, great messianic banquet and a wedding supper of celebration. And this is just the reminder of it. There's going to come a day when we are celebrating the marriage feast of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we will not be remembering Jesus. We will see Jesus. And that feast will be like none other. I mean, we can't even comprehend what it will be like. And it is reminding us, be faithful. You show forth the Lord's death till he come. He's saying, I'm coming again. Don't worry about it. I'm coming again in my time. Rest in that truth. Abide in that truth. Be encouraged by that truth. And, and this is just kind of like a, a miniature rehearsal of what will be the greatest victory celebration in all of history. You know, um, one of the things, I, I enjoy college football more than I enjoy pro football. But it's like every weekend there's some story. And I haven't seen it, but I saw some team. Um, Miami won last night on a, a kickoff return. The game was about over. Kickoff return. They lateraled the ball eight times, and the guy scored a touchdown. It took them nine minutes, I read, to review because they, they thought there may have been an illegal block. Nine minutes to review it, and afterwards they said, the play on the field stands, touchdown, and they celebrated. This has nothing to do with the message, but I think all reviews ought to go out the window. Nine minutes? How can you have a flow of game? That's neither here nor there, okay? But what, what I enjoy is seeing the celebrations, and, and I enjoy it, but I don't. There have been several players in celebrations that end up injured, and some have been out for the year because of some of them, it's almost on their own. They're doing, you know, and oh, man, I tore my knee up in the end zone. Some of it is when they get dogpiled by their whole team. I saw one kicker kick a field goal, won the game. He just took off running. He said, man, I don't want to be dogpiled. He probably weighed 180 pounds. Would you want them 350-pound guys piling on you? But I enjoy watching victory celebrations. I enjoy that because it makes me think about the greatest victory celebration ever is just ahead. I mean, these celebrations down here are going to pale in comparison. And this, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder. This is just a reminder that the real victory celebration is coming.
This is a reminder that soon we'll be with that body that was broken for us. And soon we'll be able to see the nail-pierced hands and we'll be with Him. And the ultimate victory, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more politics, no more caucuses, no more nothing. But grace, glory, goodness, and God. And that's what it's a reminder. And, and I can't say I wish someone had told me that. They probably did, but I wasn't listening. But the nice thing about the Christian life is God brings us along to see more of him and more of him. And that the early church... One of the things that they said marked the early church was the breaking of bread. They said, we do not ever want to forget Jesus. That's the reason we meet on Sunday. They said, we want to remember his resurrection. He rose on the first day of the week. We are going to meet on the first day of the week. That's why we meet on Sunday. That's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And it is important for us to realize that it's proclaiming the gospel. It's remembering Jesus. It's feasting on Christ, remembering what we have now in Christ. It's, it's savoring this, this new relationship that we have that, that you mean I can go directly to God and talk to Him? I can go pour my heart out to Him? Wow, it's all because of Jesus. So when the Lord recorded that they continually were devoting themselves to the teaching of doctrine, to fellowship, the breaking of bread in prayer, he set for us a fourfold grid, if you please, of what he wants a church to do. To remind us of who he is. To cause us to rejoice in what we are in Christ and to celebrate the victory. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to come to see what we have in you. Lord, I pray today that every Christian here today would be brought to a fresh realization of who you are, of what you've done, of what you've brought us to. And Lord, of what lies ahead for us. I pray that even tonight as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I pray that we would be brought to a greater love and appreciation of who you are and what you've done on our behalf. Lord, I pray if there is an individual here today who has never personally called upon you for the forgiveness of sin, Lord, I pray today that they would do that. I pray today before they leave that they would mention it to someone here if they're not sure And, Lord, that there would be joy in heaven when one comes to receive you for the forgiveness of sin. 
Lord, thank you. And we cannot say that enough, but thank you for the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads.